What got you there with got you got you What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got you there with Shonda Laney What got you there with Shonda Laney got John Foley is a top leadership keynote speaker and former Blue Angels solo pilot that challenges leaders to build trust, improve performance, and create elite teams. On this episode, John discusses what it's like flying jets 500 miles per hour within 18 inches of one another, lessons on developing performance, and what separates good from great leaders. Making change transpire. That's the mission behind the most amazing tasting protein bar brand taking the nutrition industry by storm. That brand, they're MCT Co. And they make the most delicious, keto-friendly, all-natural collagen protein bars. If you're obsessed with the quality of food going into your body like I am, then head out and pick up these amazing bars jammed with 10 grams of collagen protein. They only have two to three net carbs, no added sugar, and loaded with high-quality MCT oil for the healthy fats from coconuts. Whether you're busy running the kids around from activity to activity, a professional athlete, or just someone looking for a great-tasting convenience snack, do yourself a favor. Head to mctco.com and use code WGYT for 20% off your order. Do you guys miss your favorite childhood cereals but had to give them up because of all the sugar? Meet Catalina Crunch, the world's first keto-friendly, zero-sugar cereal in delicious dark chocolate, cinnamon toast, maple waffle, and honey graham. When the founder of Catalina Crunch was diagnosed at age 17 with type 1 diabetes, he set out to satisfy his chocolate craving and create his own. This low-carb, zero-sugar cereal will power you through the day with 10 grams of plant-based protein, 6 grams grams of fiber to fill you up and is also gluten-free, grain-free, dairy-free, and 100% plant-based. Don't forget about that turmeric as well to help fight inflammation and boost immunity. If you want to enjoy and receive 10% off your entire order, head to CatalinaCrunch.com. That's Catalina, C-A-T-A-L-I-N-A, Crunch.com, and use code WGYT10 for 10% off. I just finished snacking on some of the dark chocolate, and it was delicious. You guys need to head out and pick some up today. John, welcome to What Got You There. How are you doing today? Hey, Sean, good to hear your voice. I am deeply glad to be here. I love it. The momentum is already rolling. Let's get this going even further, though. I want to know, how do you start your day? I'm really big about getting my day off on the right foot, so I'm curious if someone like yourself is as well. Oh, I love it. You're absolutely right. I have a ritual, and I really feel that that's powerful, right? So my first ritual is the moment my eyes open up, uh, the first conscious thought, I ask myself, what am I grateful for? And I've trained my brain to do what I call my glad to be here wake up, which is very simply, I just lay there and say, in the present moment, what am I grateful for? So today was super easy. I live in Sun Valley, Idaho. Um, I've been on the road a lot. So I'm home. It's August. It's gorgeous. I'm sitting there with my wife going, you know, how precious of a time this is just to have this. And then what I do is I go back in my day 24 hours, say, what happened yesterday? Because it turns out the human brain doesn't care, right? If we experience something or remember it. So I go back to the joy I had yesterday. I was mountain bike riding, whatever. And then I go forward in my day. And I say, what's going to happen today? And by the way, you and your listeners were the first thing that came up on my mind. And I said, how can I make this experience incredible for them? So I do that every morning. I call it my glad to be here wake up. 
past, present, and future, exploring all those avenues. I love that. That's a technique I have not heard about before. I'm interested, how do you develop that? How does that come to be for you? Yeah, you know, um, well, they've done a lot of science on happiness, right? And waking up and all, or just happiness. And I have, uh, you know, part of my huge message is what glad to be here means. So I know I started the, the interview like, yeah, but it's a deep message, right? It's something we used when I was on the Blue Angels. It uh, sometimes meant you're just glad to be alive. But what it really means is a much deeper appreciation for the, the things we get in our lives, our families, our friends, our coworkers, to make an impact on other people's lives. And what I found was, as I'm exploring this and, and I'm diving deeper into this concept, it, it's, it's pretty, um, it's a deep vein. And one of them is this idea of present moment, but I've added the past and future. And when you add those in, uh, you find you actually can start to create a day, your own destiny. So there's a lot of science behind this and I see it works for me. Something I really do enjoy about that as well is you mentioned you've been on the road a lot and I think both myself and then a lot of the listeners, it, it's trying to, to, to navigate that chaos where you might be a sales rep on the road or whatever it is and you're able to do that wherever you're at. So, so how do you handle other obstacles though when, when life comes up and maybe you can't do some of the things you hope to do? Yeah, no, I love it. So love the idea. I think we, the way you started was starting with the ritual. So that's a simple one, right? What I just told you, can, you can do very quickly. Uh, I also have a physical ritual. Um, I do some stretching, some yoga, some, some, um, Navy SEAL routines that I've learned from the, from the boys. And then I do, uh, inverted headstands. I always invert my body. So my point is, uh, what I do is I get motion into my day too, very quickly. Now, having said that, that can take all of seven minutes. So it's not like, um, it has to take a long time. And what that does is allows me to do what you just said, and that's block out distractions and get focused, right? So when I'm on the road, uh, you know, I, I speak over a hundred times a year, many different organizations and, uh, my focus is on them, right? So the first thing I do is I make sure that I block out, I, you know, I don't look at my email right away. I don't, um, you know, worry about some challenges I may be having because we got a lot, we're all running businesses. We got a lot going on. I focus on the, the client and that's the key is blocking out distraction and focusing on whatever that is the most important thing in your day that day. The word that really stuck out there for me was focus. And I find myself a lot of times where you, you get distracted, there's too much going on. It's almost the overwhelm of everything. Just it limits your ability to accomplish anything. So what do you do to focus down on those key metrics that are really going to move you and your business forward? Yeah, no, I love it. Um, the first thing I do is I focus myself. I think before I can move the business, I got to be clear, right? So I think clarity is the key. And uh, it's not always there. I'll be honest. You know, a lot of times, just this morning, we did our team meeting and I rode my bike in. And uh, on the bike, I, I said, you know, we got we to gotta really do a better job in our sales support, you know, and, and how are we helping out these bureau agents? How are we helping out our customers understand who we are and what we can do for them? And so I got clarity and that allowed me to then on the team call, while we still had an agenda and we're talking many different things, sales, marketing, all the things that the listeners have to deal with. Um, I was able to focus down on that one thing. Well, it's about sales support this week. We really got to do that. So the, the, I think the, the key is, um, Get yourself clear first. So clarity matters in yourself. Then comes a technique on how do you get uh, other people uh, to be aligned with that clarity. And that's a, that's a technique. And we can talk about that later. Now, I would love to dive in that a little bit later. I'm interested around clarity. And 
what do you do just to give yourself that free space away from all of the day-to-day things that might interfere with that clarity? Do do you take time to yourself just to really think through? Yeah, absolutely. I try to keep my mornings precious, right? I find that I'm the uh, clearest in the morning. So uh, what I do is I like tea. I don't like coffee so much. So I'll get myself a cup of tea and I'll try to um, find a moment to have my own clarity. I meditate. You know, meditation for me is many different things. It doesn't mean you have to be cross-legged um, and just watching your breath. To me, that's not really meditation. That's just the the start, okay? What it means is this concept more like visualization. So I actually visualize my day and, uh, uh, and I think things through, but in a very calm state. So I get myself calm. I try to put my, myself in an environment that is calm. And that's not, you know, sometimes you're in New York City and, and the horns are going off, but, you know, the best you can, right? And, uh, and just take about, you know, it, it, 10 minutes is enough. You can even be less of, uh, of breath work helps and, uh, and getting yourself in a state of calm. Then you can dive into your, your challenges. You mentioned breath work. I know you've worked with the SEALs in the past. Is there any breath work routines you're currently doing? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, first thing I do is I, I check my channels. We have, you know, inner, um, inner body channels and you can do this right now. The listeners can do it right now. Just block your right nostril and take a deep breath in with your left nostril. Okay. Ready? Just do it real quick. Go. Okay. And exhale. Okay. Now switch. Try your right. Block your left and try your right. Breathe out. Now question to you, were they similar or was one more blocked than the other? Yeah. My right was a little more blocked. So what you'll see is that that's natural. Your body goes through these different cadences through the day, and that'll change. If you check it in an hour, I guarantee you'll be different. So what I do is I do what they call um, nine-pointed breathing. So three on the left, three on the right, and that'll start to clear it, and then three in the center, and that's using both. Um, and that right there is a technique. You can do it in less than a minute. It'll, it'll really open up your, um, your clarity. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a technique I haven't heard about before, so I'm excited to implement that. So it's funny, I'm preparing for this interview, uh, I'm reading all about you, understanding the the levels of depth you can go to, but I'm so intrigued, if you're at a dinner party and no one knows who you are, how do you introduce yourself? Oh, (laughs) I'm just John, (laughs) okay, Uh, and and, you know, I'm not Commander Foley, I'm not ex-Blue Angel John Foley, you know, I say, you know, hey, I'm I'm John Foley, but when they say, if you mean like, what do you do, you know, I, I say I get the rare privilege to uh, go around the world, speak to companies, work with individuals, and try to uh, transfer uh, what I learned in the Blue Angels into their life, all right? You know, high performance. How do you take things to the next level? Or, you know, how to become the Blue Angels of your own industry? So you've obviously accomplished a lot. I want to know, though, the young John, what did you think you were going to be as a kid? Oh, I love that. So, um, you know, first I, I love sports. I love football. So I wanted to be a football player and I was, I, I played D1 at uh, Colorado and Navy, but I was not, you know, physically, if you were to look at me, you know, I'm five, nine, about 170 pounds. I mean, I'm not, you know, I don't have the physical skills to be a pro, um, but I still wanted to. Uh, so as a kid, you know, I, I, I love that. And then um, my dad took me to an air show. This happened very early in my life. I was eight, I was 12 years old actually. And uh, we we're in Newport, Rhode Island. My dad takes me to an air show. I look up in the sky and I see these six magnificent, magnificent jets flying. I don't know. Have you ever been to a Blue Angel air show? You ever feel what that's like to have those jets fly over you? I have. I've, I've been out in San Francisco on a fisherman's oh. wharf and they flew right by. It was unbelievable. 
I love it. See, we love San Francisco. San Francisco and Seattle are two favorite places. We were just at Seattle this weekend um, because you get to do just that. You get to fly over the water, over the cities, and you can feel the jet noise. You can feel the power. You can smell the smoke oil in the air. And as a kid, when I felt that, I actually turned to my dad and said, Dad, I'm going to do that. And that was 12 years old. Laser focused from such a young age. This is, this is what fascinates me. Was it something that just appeared really cool to you at the time, being only 12 years old? Or was it, no, without a doubt, I'm going to do everything and work as hard as possible to accomplish that goal? It was both. You know, and I got to be honest, you go through, you know, changes in your life and struggles and stuff like that. But I will say that what happened that day planted a seed deep in my heart. And it was, I'm going to do that. It's not, I hope to do that. Boy, it'd be kind of cool to do that. I actually told myself, I'm going to do that. Now, I did that with humility. And what I mean by that is I also realized with that statement is I had a lot of work to do, okay? It wasn't going to just happen. And in fact, um, I better come up with a plan and I better have some plan Bs and Cs because, you know, there's things happen. It doesn't always expect the way you happen. So, you know, at 12, it planted a deep seed in my heart. It wasn't just a, oh, by the way. I mean, I knew that was my goal. Now, from 12 to 17, you know, I went back to being a kid. I, I needed to do well in school and sports. Uh, I figured out the path to the Blue Angels was, you know, hopefully get into one of the academies. And uh, um, that didn't work the first time. I got rejected three times, but didn't give up. Went to Colorado for a year, played football, and then eventually got to Annapolis and and uh, and then started the, the path. And so you got to have step goals is guess what I'm trying to say. Uh, and uh, And I created those. And, and some of those was just getting the research and finding out, what does it take to be, you know, that? How do you get there? So in my notes right now, I've got rejection and right into step goals. So I'm so intrigued by that because you almost glossed over that it, you failed multiple times along the way. And I think that's where a lot of the gold lies. So what makes you, after failing three times, continue to push on? Yeah, well, I think, you know, um, number one, it's having that clarity of vision or that dream. And I would say the dream has to hit you in the heart, not just the head. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff that hits us in the head. Um, and Tony Robbins has a famous saying, in, you know, stay in your head, you're dead, uh, something like that. But I believe you got to connect to the heart, right? So to answer your question is, I was, um, it, it was not just a, um, a thing I wanted to do. I felt it in my body and my bones. And that allows you that resiliency uh, to get over some of these obstacles. The other thing was, is... Um, I never let obstacles stop me. That just means there's, there, needs, there needs to be a different path, right? And so uh, for, first thing is I replied to the academies. They rejected me for physical. They said I was not physically qualified. Now, this surprised the crap out of me because I'm playing football. I'm wrestling. I'm as healthy as I think I can be. But the, the medical guys come back and say you got too much protein in your urine. Now, first off, what the heck is that? And second off, what am I supposed to do about it, right? So a lot of times we get these obstacles that, that you think are out of your control. And um, and for a week, I was really disappointed. And then I said, you know, snap out of it. Come up with plan B and uh, challenge these guys. So I reapplied. I said, you know, um, uh, and they rejected me again, you know, for a waiver. And now I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work this way. And it took me a year. And I, I, I just, you know, just kept asking and got medical evaluations. And finally, um, we found out it was probably due to an Atkins diet I was on for cutting weight for wrestling. There were, actually was nothing wrong with me. And uh, in fact, they gave me a waiver and boom, I'm off on my dream. 
the continued determination. You mentioned multiple sports, both wrestling and football. What did you learn from that team sports environment? I asked just because I came from a team sports background. I think I learned a lot of life lessons. I'm wondering if you did as well. Oh, awesome. Well, first off, what teams background were you in? What sports? Uh, so I played lacrosse. That was my predominant sport. I also played football, nice. played basketball growing up. But yeah, it was a lot of the things you've mentioned about kind of solidifying that laser focus at a young age. So I, I'm interested yeah. what, what you accomplished through the teams that helped you later on. Yeah, I think what I learned was two things. Um, and it's still today, you know, I, I speak to, I just spoke to Alabama, by the way, uh, three years ago when we won the national championship. Um, and it's two things. It's basically this. It's you have to have personal mastery, okay? Meaning, you know, you as an individual have to become really good at what you do, all right? But that's not enough, okay? That's not a team sport. That's an individual sport. Uh, in team sports, you have to have the ability to not let your teammate down. Okay. My biggest fear, and I had, I dealt with fear all the time. Actually, I'd like to call it being scared now, not afraid is letting someone down. You know, if it, if it was in football, so I was a DB, you know, if I'm covering the, the, the back third deep and, you know, they've scored a touchdown on my, on my zone, you know, I've let, you know, my 10 teammates on the field down, but also the the whole crowd and the whole experience. I'm like, I'm not going to let them down. So, you know, you work really hard and you do your job. You know, Bill Belichick has a great saying, first, do your job. All right. Second, become world-class at your job. Third, teach someone else how to do it. And by the way, that third, not everybody can do. And uh, I've noticed that in my transition from the military to what I do now is that's the, that's the challenge is how do you actually share this information? How do you um, coach, teach, mentor people so it becomes relevant in their life? And that's why I'm glad what you do, Sean, this, this podcast and what you're doing um, in this interview makes a difference in people's lives. I'm interested just having that wrestling background. I, I've interviewed a lot of wrestlers in the past and something that just comes out of all of them is that grit, that determination. And I'm wondering if that's a, a culmination yeah. of all the cutting weight, the hard practices you guys have been through, or if it's just a mindset a lot of wrestlers already had. Is that something you found in yourself? Yeah, I like, I'm glad you mentioned the cutting weight because that was the hardest part, especially when you're a kid in high school. Um, but what I found was this for me, and I, you know, I'm sure it's different for everybody else. Uh, in football, I was always small. I'm the, I'm the you know, I'm always looking up, right? I'm, I'm just trying to get the pads on, just get in the game, right? I wasn't your all pro, all, you know, all league kind of guy initially, right? Um, but in wrestling, I had a thought. I said, you know what? Pound for pound, I think I can take anybody. And so um, I said, I, you know, this sport could be pretty cool for me. And, uh, and it, it turned out, okay, my freshman year, I went 54 and three and, you know, went to the States and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but I think that the hardest part was the cutting the weight. That's the discipline, right? And I think what I learned from that was you got to be committed. You know, when, when one someone says, you know, commitment, like I think the three C's of trust, right? First is competency, two is commitment, and three is consistency. You got to do all three of those, right? So that commitment that I learned on the mat was like, wow, you know, and then you just go out there and do it. 
yeah, I think anyone trying to lose a few pounds after the holidays can can somewhat try to relate to, to what you guys are able to do throughout an entire season. So I have always been impressed by that. Uh, another thing is just the ability to adapt in that team environment, because you mentioned yeah. a little while ago, you, you have to master yourself, that personal mastery. But how do you handle that in a team environment when maybe someone's not living up to expectations or putting forward that work? I know you've worked with a lot of high class organizations and teams. Anything you see that someone can do to get that the rest of the team going? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing is more, it's both a process and a mindset. And I'll go to the process first, is we we did what we call a debrief. Um, this is not a new concept, but the way I'm about to explain it is different, okay? And this is what the highest level teams, both in business and in sports and in the military understand, all right? And, uh, and that is this, it's called the glad to be here debrief. So number one, do you have a process where you have this continuous feedback loop where you're constantly in a learning state? You see, it's not about a mistake. It's not about someone who's, you know, not doing their job. It's like, that's just a, a blip in time. Okay. What I want is a cadence of excellence. I want to have briefs and debriefs. And this is very simple in the sports world. It's the game prep. And then, you know, you watch the game films afterwards, okay? In business, not done as much. Most people spend a lot of time in preparation. They'll have briefings or they'll have team calls or meetings. Um, very few do what I call a glad beer debrief, which becomes a cadence. And we can talk more about how you set this cadence up, where we actually review not only um, uh, what happened, but we, we actually focus on what went well. And we turn this into a positive experience, which is not done much in sports or business. But once uh, I've had a chance to work with teams and they see, holy cow, there's there's a way to do both. You reinforce what's going well and you definitely fix what's not going well. And what you do is, is you get people to go from accountability to personal responsibility. And that's the key. Wow, John, you are speaking my language right now. A term you said, cadence of excellence. I absolutely love that verbiage right there. Can we dive a little bit deeper on the actual cadence? Uh, I know anyone who's been in that environment before with, with watching team film, a lot of that is negative. So I'd love hearing more about this cadence. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you a couple examples and then we can you know put it into context. All right. Um, and the military, not just the Blue Angels. And by the way, you know, I flew jets off aircraft carriers. I don't know. Uh, you know, Top Gun's coming out again. Top Gun 2. Have you seen the trailer yet? That's the second time in uh, in, in a couple interviews that's came up. Uh, I interviewed Jeff Eggers, uh, former Navy SEAL. And he was so pumped okay. about this as well. So, yes, we it is on everyone's radar right now. We are thrilled it's coming back. Well, I, I actually did some of the real flying in Top Gun 1. That was uh, uh, me on the aircraft carrier, me and my buds. There's a bunch of us around. So we're going to we're going to get into the blue angels here in a minute because there are so many things I want to go on but let's hit let's hit on cadence I'll, I'll put a footnote and make sure we do yeah. dive right back into that with uh, with yeah, top yeah, gun. Yeah. yeah, so basically um here's what you do. You got to have what I call a a brief and a debrief. That's to me and it has to go through what I call a center point, all right? So here's here's the cadence. First thing is what are you trying to do? You got to get extremely focused on the center point. To me, the center point is the single point of focus we're going to make decisions off of. So in an air show, we had a tractor, trailer, truck, or a boat, and we it was our reference point, right? But you brief. So you, you know, in the morning for business, I just did it with my team this morning, and we have this schedule. You know, every Monday, 9 a.m., we start with a brief, all right? And it has a cadence. It has an agenda. It says, okay, what's on the plate, not only for today, for the week, What's our priorities? And then you go through, you set 
you know, agenda. Now, all companies do this. Here's, here's the differentiator. We start with a check-in that I call a general safe. And everybody gets to go around the table um, and, and just say two things. What am I, um, you know, how do I feel, my general feeling? And um, is there anything that I had a safety on? Is there anything I was out of parameters on? We get those on the table right away. And I've got video of this, of how we did it on the Blue Angels, right? But the way I teach it for um, and share with, you know, individuals is, you know, get a cadence where you start in a positive mindset. Well, how do I feel? Um, is there anything that anybody, you know, needs to lay on the table? Like I was late on a deliverable, just say it. Cause guess what? People know it anyhow. So just put it up there. Take, take, take a um, responsibility for it. Uh, and, and then, uh, you go through the, 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 the brief and you always end on a positive, right? So, so that's how you start it, but that's not the key. The key is you got to have a follow-up, uh, of a debrief, right? And to me, uh, a debrief is, has to have five characteristics. Okay. You ready for this? First, you got to have a general, you got to have a a safe environment. Okay. And that's not only personal safety, psychological safety. So you create a safe environment. All right. Two, check your ego at the door. We we don't want egos in the room. I got people are good. I wouldn't hire you if you weren't good. Okay. Um, but this is about we, not I, right? So check your ego at the door. Three is lay it on the table. This is about openness and honesty. We talk about stuff. We we even say, I'm going to lay it on the table. And boom, someone makes a comment. And, you know, it's good. They're, they're, they're calling out those elephants in the room that people are afraid to say. No, we call it out, all right? Fourth is then you got to take ownership of that. And it's not someone else's problem, right? You say, you know, here's it's the accountability and the own it or fix it uh, comment. And then the last one, and here's the critical one, you got to end on a glad to be here. You end on that this is, we're making an impact on people's lives. We're doing this for a purpose larger than self. Bam, that's the cadence. Bam is right. You know how to come in and just set out these actionable tips. This is why I love this conversation so much. All right, let's dive into the Blue Angel. I want to know, day one with the Blue Angels, what is that like? Okay, day one blows your mind. I can, okay. I, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. <laughs> It blows your mind. Uh, you know, it's, I guess it's, it's how you define day one. Uh, day one would be, I guess, after you're selected and you actually show up for the first time. Um, the first thing you, you want to do is don't be stupid. Don't make a mistake. You almost want to disappear, right? Because you're, you're, you're not, um, while you're joined the team, you're not one of the flying pilots yet. You're a replacement and they bring you in six weeks prior. Okay. So, uh, what happens is we go through a huge selection process. You get uh, a call, which is funny as heck because they always razz you on the call and you get selected. All right. And it's like, Holy crap. I mean, now, you know, your dreams have come true, but you've got to up your game. And I remember walking into the squadron that day. Of course, you want your uniform to be perfect and all that. But what what I remember is just a, 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 an electricity in the air. And we walk into the briefing room for the first time. And I've seen this as an applicant, but now you're on the team. And that it's it's impressive. I mean, we sit around this beautiful I don't know, mahogany table. Everyone has their chair. You've got uh, support officers around the side. You've got pictures up of, of the history. Talk about tradition of all these other teams. You've got, you know, flying over the Super Bowl. You have all these images around you and you realize that you are in greatness. You are in a sense of greatness and you can feel it. You can feel it in the air. The little hairs stand up. But what happens is you just sit there and you go, holy crap, what am I going to do? I mean, that's really the, the thing. It's like, I got to up my game. And it's really cool 
when you feel that because you realize that everybody's there to support you. It's not a, uh, it's the most collaborative competition you've ever seen. Everybody wants to get better, but as a team, everybody wants to achieve a goal, but as a team. And you realize, wow, I've got support. So it, it was amazing. It blew me away. It's almost a great analogy for the rest of your life. You want to be surrounded with those people who are pushing themselves and raising everyone's level of greatness. So it's really cool to hear you talk about that. What is the actual selection process like and, and, and the training that goes into it? Yeah, so it's, it's very interesting. Um, it would be like I would think in business, this is like picking a partner for you know your business, right? This is not just... Um, um, somebody that, you know, you're just going to have on for a short time. This is, this is important, right? So I think it's a partner in a VC firm, something like that. So we take it seriously, right? And so it takes a couple of years, to be honest with you, um, a year at the very minimum. There's some basic standard stuff, okay? And that is, uh, first off is the blues say, okay, we're open for, um, applicants and the blues don't look for people. We let people come to us. Right. And, uh, it's nice when you're in that position where people want to be there. Right. Uh, and then you put in an application and it's, it's your standard, you know, history and letters, recommendation and command officer stuff, but that's real basic. And I know we do that in business. Okay. That's not how we select our people that just gets you in the door. Then what we really select on is chemistry. Okay. We select on heart. We select on commitment. All right. And so well, how do you find that kind of stuff out? First off, I know their skills. That's not hard. Okay. Um, you know, in the Navy, it's very obvious who's flying well and who's not. I mean, you get graded all the time and, uh, it's, that's not hard. You call up your buddies. What I want is someone who's there for the right reason. Okay. To be an ambassador of goodwill, to make a bigger impact in someone's life, to be a team player, to be willing to learn. It says, you know, I, I may have flown in the movie Top Gun like I did. I may have been an instructor pilot like I was. That's okay. You're just now you're starting over, okay, because we're about to go to a whole new level. So you have to be willing to learn. And it's this great, you know, quote, you see this in, in a lot of the martial arts, you know, where it doesn't matter what level you achieve, you always have a beginner's mind. And I think that's really important in flying too. Uh, and so that's what we're looking for. We're looking for people who uphold the traditions and the values of the organization and also are going to bring their A game every single day. They're going to be a good representative and they're going to work well with with others and they're going to live what I call the glad to be here mindset. And if that, and then when, when, once you identify those people, uh, it ends up being a selection where we vote, we vote on our own replacements. I, I want to dive into that beginner's mind here in a minute, but once you are elected, this, this has been a dream of mine to fly in one of these jets. So for anyone who's never been able to do it, what is it like flying 500 miles per hour and being within 18 inches of another jet? <laughs> Well, it depends if you're riding or if you're if you're the pilot, okay? Uh, because uh, both scare the crap out of you. But hopefully, as as a pilot, you get to the point where you're 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 competent, right? And so, um, first off, I'll just give you my first ride. Then you can say. So, first ride I got as a blue, um, uh, I was a uh, I was a newbie. Newbies like a rookie, right? And so, I, I'm not flying in the slot in the in the positions yet right but they do have a two-seater we have a two-seater we do a lot of vip meter rides i got to do a lot of those and um now i'm in the back seat and i gotta tell you we taxi out on the runway 
And the boss, not, not just one jet, not just two, four jets, wings overlap. Boss says, run them up. You take those throttles, you go to full military power. It's about 128,000 pounds of thrust. I mean, you feel like the airplane's shaking. And uh, then he goes, you know, off brakes now, burners ready now. And on the end of now, you slam the throttles in the full afterburner. Next thing I know, we leap off the runway. The guy I'm flying with does this violent left wing down. We go slicing underneath the wingtip of number two jet. Next thing I know, we're tucked in underneath the afterburners of the boss. Flames are coming out, airplanes shaking, and these guys go straight up. My eyes got like huge. And I was like, I was, holy crap, how am I going to do this? They were operating at a whole new level. I'd flown jets off aircraft carriers, been an instructor pilot, done thousands of hours, and these guys were operating at a whole new level. And the first thought was, crap, how am I going to do this? And then right after that was, you know what? I'm up for it. Let's go. You know, put me in, coach. And, uh, and, and then there's a process. Okay. We don't start at 18 inches. You know, that was, that's what the end game looks like. So when they, when we bring new people on, we do 120 training flights. You start very wide apart and it's a gradual step by step process. Got some chills going on over here, John. This is like, I just, I could feel that what it is like for the first time. So I appreciate you going into that, that depth about it. Something I'm so fascinated by is just the amount of inputs and stimulus that you guys have to deal with when flying something so close and so fast. And I'm interested about your just decision-making capabilities. And you mentioned it's a gradual workup to, to getting to be able to fly within 18 inches. Is that the key thing, not trying to accomplish too much right away, taking little steps? Yeah, I think it's one of them. I, I, I think in flying is a great uh, analogy that we can use for many other things in life, right? So uh, I hear where you're going on this. So yes, the the, the idea of step goals or, or um, taking steps, I think is important because what it does is it's about habituation, right? What are you comfortable with? What are you uncomfortable with? I'm, I'm, I'm always in my uncomfort zone. I like being, you know, pushing it, but then you get to the point where you're, you master that. And then you got to be careful because if, if you don't uh, continue to challenge yourself, you will get complacent and complacency kills. All right. And, uh, that's why we actually, uh, usually only have two years as a blue angel pilot. You rotate in and out very quickly. Not, uh, well, two reasons. One is we want to give the honor to, to as many people who can qualify. And two is, um, you, you don't want to be complacent at that. And I got a story about how I almost killed myself by being stupid. Right. And, uh, and so the idea here is, uh, that you learn. So the answer to your question, when you're learning um, to be a pilot, first thing you do is you learn on the ground. There's ground school and there's book work. Then you learn in simulators. Then you, l you learn in a small prop plane. It's going slow, but it's still a plane. And you're like, holy crap, how's this working? Then you, you get into jets and then the jets become faster. And then all of a sudden you start landing jets on aircraft carriers and that will blow your mind. Uh, and then eventually you become an instructor pilot and then maybe get to the Blue Angels. But the point is it's a sequential step up, right? And at some point people weed out. I mean, it becomes very obvious when it's you've you've reached your limit and that's okay, right? And so the idea is this um learning, this growth. Now what I've come to notice is the skills, the qualities that actually are at the very top of that pyramid um also work everywhere. You just have this uh ability to focus and to perform at a different level. The skill acquisition is something I'm so intrigued by. I, I love that beginner's mindset and then trying to learn as much as possible. Is there anything that you, you mentioned in that skill acquisition phase that you guys just, just do a little bit differently that really helps expedite that process? 
Yeah, it's, uh, what, you know, ironically, it's what you talked about when we started this interview. It's, you know, it's a ritual. It's visualization. So what I've never, I mean, I visualized as a kid. No one ever taught me. It's just I'm, everyone on this call knows how to visualize. Uh, for me as a kid, it's, you know, scoring touchdowns or intercepting a pass, whatever. And then it started becoming flying. But what I, what I started to realize in the Blue Angels, and it did blow me away, the first brief I was ever in, okay, uh, it started like the brief I explained, right? But what I didn't explain, and these are the subtleties, um, is that then we got into this, this group visualization. And uh, again, I, you know, in my talks, I, I take people behind the scenes. I have video of, of myself doing this, but it's, it's a visualization process. And we're actually going through uh, the exact calls that are going to happen as we're flying and uh, at the exact pace, the exact cadence, guys will close their eyes. They'll move their hands. You're actually flying the airplane on the ground. Okay. Uh, but what's really, what you're really doing is you're habituating your mind. See, I didn't realize this. this is very interesting. I'm glad you brought it up. I, I just know how to do it. You know, it, it, as a pilot, they train you and, and certain skills become evident. Sports people know this. Um, but I didn't know why it worked. I just knew it worked. Right. I mean, um, now I know why it works. And that's where the real power is. Cause once you can reverse engineer, this as what I've been doing in the last two decades is just reverse engineering something I did back in the nineties, right? Um, is, is learning the why now you can apply it in, in many other circumstances. So we already talked about meditation and visualization as part of that. That was something we used every day. I'm so glad you circled back to this. I had this highlighted to dive back into this because as an athlete, it's something I did, but I didn't really understand the true power of it. Is there anything you recommend, even someone in a business context that say, it's, it's easy to, to do this with sport or flying a plane, but how does this translate to running a business? Any tips there? My first tip is, I'll circle back, is do the glad to be here wake up. I mean, actually do it. See, I, I, I explained it, but most people go, yeah, that sounds good. They don't do it. So it's discipline, right? And, uh, and, and what you find is that if you do that over time, and we honestly don't know. I mean, they did a study out of London, like, you know, how long does it take to form a habit? They came up with 66 for a majority of the, of the things. Um, you know, 90 is actually a good number. That's why there's quarters in business. Some people say 21. Here, here's the thing. There, there's no right answer there. Uh, what matters is I was working with some neuroscience at Mayo and, and they said, John, you're asking the wrong question. What you really need to ask is what are you trying to do? You see, that changes how long it, it takes to form a habit. Because what you're really doing is the neuroplasticity of your brain is changing. You're cutting grooves in the brain and you get what they call uh, Hebb's Law, which is neurons that wire together, fire together. So you, we all know this in driving a car. You know this in riding a bike. There's a certain skill level when you're first starting. You're like, what the heck? And then, you know, it becomes natural. So it's this unconscious competence. So the idea is, and I, I love this, I'm learning every day more about it, um, is uh, is form a habit. So I would say start with something that's fun. All right. If you're in business, start with a glad to be your wake up, start with being grateful about life and form that habit first. Then the skills that you use to do that, which is what I, I talked to you about present, past, future, you can then put into your business content. You mentioned that this is a beginner mindset for you right now. You'd love learning about this stuff. So when you're acquiring these things, are, are there certain articles, books? What, what are the resources you're going oh, to? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm a constant sieve of, of you know, looking for knowledge. I'm, I'm learning from you right now. All right. Every time I get to be on a, uh, an exchange, I'm learning. Uh, to answer your question is I really have two paths. Um, the, you know, the, the quick and dirty path is I'm scanning the books in the bookstores. You know, by the way, our book now is, is a bestseller. We're in the airports, we're in Amazon, all that kind of stuff called fearless success. Uh, but you know, it's not that really. Okay. I'll scan on that. I'll learn from others. What I really learn from though, where I go deep is in the spiritual text. I go deep into the books that have been around over a hundred years. Okay. Because there's a reason that they're still around. All right. So on my quality time, I will go deep into many different genres. It's not about religion to me. It's about learning the way the mind works, learning the way society works. These are the deep learnings that I'm deeply going into. Uh, and then I apply them back to the current reality. Are there any that you recommend picking up just for yeah. people trying to, to explore different things? Okay, first off, uh, blow your mind. It's a guy named Michael Roach, and the book is The Diamond Cutter. Okay, The Diamond Cutter. Uh, background, uh, he's actually a, an American Princeton Rhodes Scholar that became a Buddhist monk and basically has learned the Eastern way of thinking, right? And has translated it back into our Western way of doing business. Really cool. And that was the diamond cutter? Yeah, the diamond cutter. Michael Roach. Good buddy of mine, by the way. Fantastic. I'll have to pick that one up. Yeah, you're mentioning about picking up the texts that have lasted so much longer. And uh, that's, that's basically the Lindy effect. Things that have been around, call it for 100 years, there's a good chance it'll be around for another 100 years. Mm -hmm. So some of that, that stuff that's been throughout history is just so vital. So it's great you bring that up. I want to know, though, What's the hardest thing about being a blue angel? I can only imagine there's so many things and each person's going to have a different answer to this, but what was it for you? Yeah, it, it, it's, um, it's not the flying. The flying is really challenging. Don't get me wrong. You're, you are being pushed every day to your limits. And that's actually what I enjoy. I mean, you know, I thirst for that, right? I mean, it, it's so cool when you're in a, in a profession you can feel every day you get to feel those limits, right? Rarely is that true in, in our life. Um, sometimes on the sporting field, sometimes flying, um, you know, in business and life, I think we need to be able, we have to find a way to create those in a, in a safe way. Cause it's easy to kill yourself. It's easy to go bankrupt. It's easy to make a stupid decision. Right. Um, so the idea of the flying was always challenging. I love that, but it's not what was hard. What was hard is what I think every entrepreneur, everyone on this call is struggling with is that's called life. Okay. That's called what's happening around you. All right. At the same time. And you're away from your families. You're deployed. Uh, we would, you know, fly our jets out on a Wednesday, do our circle and on Thursday, do air shows Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If you were coming back home, come home super late Sunday night, Monday is a day off, but not really. You got to catch up on everything. And Tuesday you start again. Um, so it's a six day a week, sometimes longer schedule. Uh, and the challenges that, that come up is your family. And like any families, there's, you know, challenges uh, in people's lives. It may be with their spouses. It may be with their kids. Um, it may, um, you know, there's outside things, pressures that come into the team. And, you know, as a team, we had a safe environment. We could talk about it. We supported each other. But it was those personal challenges, trying to balance a life and also be at your absolute peak extreme. That's the challenge. Is there a good answer to that? How to do that? 
How to do it? Yeah, it's what I call the seven powers. It's my next book, so I'm not going to get into it right now. But the I'll get I'll I'll, I'll get to you to some of the thing is is absolutely, and it starts with being grounded yourself. It starts with being centered yourself. The only way you're going to survive um, this the challenges that we all face in this life is to realize one thing, and that the world's coming from you and not at you. And once you can grasp that, and I mean truly grasp that. Um, you realize that you have real power, okay? Um, it gets into these ideas of laws of cause and effect. You know, I was telling you about that. I read the the deeper teachings now. And uh, once you understand the way the universe really works, and we don't understand it completely, okay? You know, quantum has brought a lot to Newtonian physics. There's a change here. But once you start to realize this, you realize that you have real power and you're no longer a victim. That is incredibly powerful. I love that short phrase right there, but packs so much into it. You mentioned prepping for your new book. Let's dive into the one that's currently out, Fearless Success. How does that book come together for you? The challenges of writing. For me, I just I, I wrote four manuscripts and I, I had to rip them up because they just weren't telling the story the way I wanted to. This one does, by the way. So it took me 10 years and five manuscripts to get it right. Um, you know, what it is, is very simply, I tell a lot of stories about my journey, things that we've already covered, you know, some of this in, in, in the, you're asking really some really great questions, but then I take you behind the scenes into, you know, what it was like to be a blue angel. Uh, and then what I do, and I think this is probably the most important part is, um, is, and how does that relate to a normal person, normal life? So that's what it's about. You know, I try to give people tools. Uh, on on how to close what I call the high performance zone, the gap between your current state and your future state. So it's really about action. How do you close that? And it it also hopefully connects you to a purpose larger than yourself to make an impact on people. Yeah, I think one of the key things there is being able to apply the lessons you're teaching and the stories you bring up in into your own yeah. life. That's why I appreciate your talks, your work, the book. So I, I, I do recommend this. It's called Fearless Success. It is out now. We're going to make sure we have everything linked up there in the show notes. But John, I can't thank you enough for coming on What Got You There. Any other final parting words you want to leave the listeners with? John, it's it's what I wake up every day saying is glad to be here. And you know, I even got a little emotional as I'm saying that because uh, I'm deeply grateful, number one, for what you're doing. I'm, I'm grateful for the, the, the people that are listening to this, um, grateful for the opportunities that we all have. And to me, uh, the more that we connect to whatever makes us glad to be here, the better life is. So thank you very much. Well, thank you so much. You guys made it to the end of another episode of What Got You There? I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen all the way through. If you found value in this, the best way you can support the show is giving us a review, rating it, sharing it with your friends, and also sharing on social. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Looking forward to you guys listening to another episode. Making change transpire. That's the mission behind the most amazing tasting protein bar brand taking the nutrition industry by storm. That brand, they're MCT Co. And they make the most delicious, keto-friendly, all-natural collagen protein bars. If you're obsessed with the quality of food going into your body like I am, then head out and pick up these amazing bars jammed with 10 grams of collagen protein. They only have two to three net carbs, no added sugar, and loaded it with high-quality MCT oil for the healthy fats from coconuts. 
Whether you're busy running the kids around from activity to activity, a professional athlete, or just someone looking for a great tasting convenience snack, do yourself a favor, head to mctco.com and use code WGYT for 20% off your order. Do you guys miss your favorite childhood cereals but had to give them up because of all the sugar? Meet Catalina Crunch, the world's first keto-friendly, zero-sugar cereal in delicious dark chocolate, cinnamon toast, maple waffle, and honey graham. When the founder of Catalina Crunch was diagnosed at age 17 with type 1 diabetes, he set out to satisfy his chocolate craving and create his own. This low-carb, zero-sugar cereal will power you through the day with 10 grams of plant-based protein, 6 grams grams of fiber to fill you up and is also gluten-free, grain-free, dairy-free, and 100% plant-based. Don't forget about that turmeric as well to help fight inflammation and boost immunity. If you want to enjoy and receive 10% off your entire order, head to CatalinaCrunch.com. That's Catalina, C-A-T-A-L-I-N-A, Crunch.com, and use code WGYT10 for 10% off. I just finished snacking on some of the dark chocolate, and it was delicious. You guys need to head out and pick some up today. If you guys enjoyed the smooth sounds of today's episode, then you can thank Brian Lapries, our sound engineer. And if you enjoy the intro song, check out Justin Great, the man behind it. I can't thank you guys enough for listening. Looking forward to you tuning in next time. What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with Shonda Laney? What got you there with Shonda Laney? Uh, what got you there with got you got you